Hey y'all, welcome back to the Hey Dad, Can You Talk podcast. I'm Bailey, I'm your host, and each week we call my dad Toby and we just have a fun, short discussion about different things like parenting, marriage, mental wellness, things that everybody's struggling with or wants to talk to somebody about, but maybe you don't have that person to call. Well, I have been around for 34 years and I've been talking to my dad for most of those years about my struggles and he just always has really great wisdom to share. And so we thought it would be helpful for you guys to get to peek in on these conversations and um, also get some of his wisdom. And so we are excited about these weekly conversations. We're excited you're here and I'm looking forward to today's podcast. So let's get this show on the road. Let's call my dad. Hello, B, and how are you? Great. How are you, dad? We've got, we're doing a three-way call today here. I was about to say, if you would jump in already, and hey, Ross, man, how are you, bud? What up? I'm great. Glad to be here. I am so glad to have you on the Hey Dad, Let's Talk About Bailey podcast. That's right. What Bailey doesn't know is this is actually just going to be a roast episode of her. No, it's not. Okay. If y'all don't know, this is my brother, Ross. So many people actually, Ross, have asked us. They like show more pictures of Ross. We want to get to know Ross more. And so really? there's gonna yeah, you have a little fan club. They need oh, to yes. they yeah. So nice. now they can either see your handsome face on YouTube or listen to your voice. You do have a pretty soothing voice. So thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. See, now you can't roast me because I'm starting out. <laughs> I'm sure there's gonna be some uh digs that happen at some point in this thing. So great. Ross, I know you find this hard to believe, but what Bailey is saying is she has an ulterior motive for being nice. I know that's brand new to you that she would ever do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. All right, Bailey, okay. let's pick it up. Prissy's going to get mad at me. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, Ross, you know, this month we, well, we've been focusing on Meet the Slows, so right. everyone's got to meet Mom. Dad interviewed me last week, and now it's your turn. And we're just talking a bit about how mental uh, mental um, sh- health struggles can affect a family, and kind of what we learned through Dad's struggles. And yeah. so we wanted to ask you um, some about that today, if you don't mind. And yes. I'm interested to hear your perspective versus mine. Um, so, can you tell me what you remember about? growing up and um, were you aware of what was going on as far as dad struggling or when did you kind of start um, realizing that he was having, he was struggling a bit? Well, I think that uh, really not until probably adulthood did I understand what was going on. Not because he wasn't open and vulnerable or that we didn't see that, but that it was normal to us. Like we didn't know anything else. Mm -hmm. So um, I think once you know, I, I, I began more to understand what anxiety and panic attacks were. Uh, then I put pieces together. And I was like, oh, dang, that, this is not what everyone, this is not everyone's experience growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so I think, you know, it was just so normalized and was a part of our life. And so part of our routine, I mean, you know, even mom talked about in her blog post, 
uh, a couple weeks ago that, um, you know, she just kind of had to pick up the slack in places when, where dad was, would be struggling. And so we didn't know any different. We just thought that's what mom and dad did. This was just their dynamic. And this is just, you know, times when dad needed to, you know, he needed to go rest or needed to go, um, spend some time alone or whatever it looks like. So, so I think, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was not until kind of adult life until I understood fully what that was like. Mm -hmm. I know dad shares dad, you share, you've shared this before about how it came up, um, with Ross, you know, when he was in high school, you, you, can you share that story? You said somebody, deemed you as the person who the was it remember what i i don't remember exactly what they said yeah he was he was gonna go out with a date from a girl that's from another town was in another school district and uh you know outside of our little bitty town which was really little bitty then and the girl's mom wanted to meet him and kind of do the interview thing and asked him if he uh he went to church and he said yes ma'am i do and uh she asked where, and he said, cross timbers. And, he, and the lady said something about, oh, is that where that pastor who had the nerves break down goes to church? And Ross mm-hmm. said, yes, that's the place. And he never said it was his dad, which I don't really know if that was really indicative of anything. He never has ever been kind of a, oh, that's my dad, as opposed to <laughs> Bailey, who would stand in the lobby and say, hi, my name is Bailey. My dad's a pastor. That was never kind of his thing. Even uh, to this day, he's met names that lots of people that are listening would recognize. Met them around town that are friends of mine, like like very very well known pastors and leaders. And he's never told them who he was. So it wasn't that he didn't tell them. It was just it made me sad that oh, is this going to be you know my kids' lot in life that they're going to be known as the guy who has a, you know, who has a crazy dad is a girl who has a dad who has nervous breakdowns. And that made me pretty sad for a while. Mm. Ross, what do you remember about that? Like, how did it make you feel being asked? Cause I don't remember that happening to me. So I was curious. Yeah. I don't remember that either. Honestly, like it's not as marking as it is to dad. So I think that's kind of just telling of like, again, how normalized that was for us. You know, just mm-hmm. that, like, we there was probably a million of those conversations that mm-hmm. dad you never even knew about, and that we just it was like part of, <laughs> part of like what what we experienced, and uh, just like a lot of people ask all the time, how was it growing up being a PK? You know, mm-hmm. was it was it hard being a pastor's kid? And you know, was the magnifying glass on you? And yeah, I mean, there was some of that, but the truest thing is that we didn't know any different, and mm-hmm. this was our experience, and so. Yeah, I mean, and in, in that instance, um, it you know, it doesn't stand out in my memory, most likely because that was one of many conversations that just mm-hmm. were normal to us. And uh it and it wasn't like a negative or positive thing. It wasn't like a badge of honor and it wasn't like a scarlet letter kind of deal. It was just it was just uh normal for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me just point out for those of you who are listening or watching or whatever you're doing. I hope some of you are watching because Bailey's bed is made, which is kind of like the part of the Red Sea. You you, you don't get to see that very often. You might want to see it. But, uh, you know, just how different my children are, you know, and part of for Ross is saying, you know, I don't remember that. And probably it's just an example of it being normalized is a part of the gift of Ross personality that he doesn't spend a lot of energy wondering what other people think. 
Uh, he's <laughs> never been that way. His mother is not that way. And that Bailey is uh, <laughs> me. And so for Bailey, that may have marked her more than it would have marked yeah. Ross if that would have happened simply because of how God's wired her. Uh, so at some point, you know, that can be kind of the Lord's protection too, right? I mean, I'm reminded of two things in this. Number one, I'm reminded of as a parent, things that we tend to uh, fret about. How's that for a word? Old school word, fret yeah. about, kind of meditate on. Uh, we think about them forever. Our kids, it doesn't even affect them. Yeah. Uh, number two is, man, you got to trust God's protection a lot of times that God gives everybody exactly what they need to do exactly what he's called them to do in the family that he's placed them in. And I think it was, for me, a lot of this, Ross, was learning that, you know, I could theologically, I could be very correct and be very emphatic in saying that, you know, our children are not our own, they're God's, and we have to give them to God and allow God to protect them. Well, I got to practice that quite a bit in, you know, situations like this. I couldn't do anything about that, Mom. Right. I can't. I couldn't do anything about. I was give, doing the best I could with what I had in that moment of my battle, and God's okay with that. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the the benefit of that for us was was that you know as much of a stigma that is still there about mental health. And that was even more so there whenever we were growing up, uh, was reduced, you know, and we, we were able to have open conversations about our emotional and mental health, um, that I think a lot of kids probably weren't able to have with their parents or weren't able to be able to to have access to those places because they didn't see that model growing up, you know? So, um, the normalization process, you know, that, that, that normalization effect on us, I think, um, had a really positive influence. And I even think about, you know, my own family and my own kids and my wife, my wife has struggled with mental health in, in her life and in our recent past actually. And it was, we've had, we had similar conversations, dad, where, you know, there'd be times where, where she would be emotional and, um, I would be having to, to deal, handle the kids and deal with things that were going on because she wasn't able to, and she would, she would have the same, same thoughts and would share the same things with me. Like, man, I just don't want our kids to see us like this. And I don't want, or I don't want our kids to see me like this. And I don't want um, them to remember this about me. And, you know, I could share with her from experience. Like, I think that's a positive thing that they see this, that they see, you know, this side of you and that you're, that you can struggle and battle and that it not be the end of the world and that they can do that too. Um, so that I feel, I feel like I got to see that from both ends. Mm. That is really cool. I didn't, you know, you never shared that perspective with me and that, that that's encouraging. I hope everybody heard that, you know, that a part of that battle for me growing up, you know, I got leverages Romans eight twenty eight for good. And now, Mm-hmm. Ross is able to help his wife three times because of his experience, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Like now you're also working towards getting your, your license to be counselor. And so are there any other ways you can share with us that you feel like your experience growing up or, or dad's experience, you know, us being able to watch it firsthand has impacted your life now um, and kind of, your passions, you know, because you're also working for Gobi. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I feel like that 
there's been a lot of moments and a lot of things that have been marking for me that have been birthed out of that have shaped dad and allowed that to influence and rub off on me and on us. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'll share two of those times. Like one of them was, um, whenever I was, whenever I've thought about what I'm passionate about and what's valuable to me and what's foundational to me, uh, I think helping people and, um, wanting to, to be there for people and support people and help them in the mess that they're going through has always been something that has been foundational to me. And I think that that's rooted in who dad is and Mm -hmm. what he's, what you've struggled with dad and wanting other people to not experience what you experienced. And so, um, that's been like something that's been really marking for me. And then the other thing that I have this really vivid memory that I share a lot, and I think it's kind of shaped me into being who I am and doing what I, what I do is, uh, I was in college and one of my friends, one of my really good friends in college, his brother passed away. He died by suicide. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was on Christmas. And I remember getting a call from one of my really good friends, one of our mutual friends and saying, Hey, uh, Zach's brother has, has died and we're going to have this funeral in a few days. And, you know, I know it really mean a lot to Zach and his family if you came. So I remember, you know, just being, shocked and, and floored. And, uh, I was going to drive up there with a few friends to go to the funeral. And I, and I pulled dad aside and I was like, dad, I don't even know what to say. Like when I see Zach, like, what do I say to this guy? And, um, he said, you don't have to say anything. You just tell him you love him and that you're there for him. And that moment has really stuck with me, just the power of presence and the power of being with people and not having the right words to say, and that showing up is what matters to people. And, I think in a, in a mental health capacity, uh, a lot of times that's what we serve. Uh, that's what, that's, that's our role. And that's, that's the, that's the role we play is just being there for people and creating a space and an environment where people can be open about things they've never been open about before. And, uh, you know, that's what we are trying to do through Gobi. Uh, so I feel like it's been kind of, I've gotten the, I've gotten to reap the benefits of some of the the hard things that dad's gone through in his life. Mm, That's good. Just so everyone knows dad and I might cry, but if we get, if Ross cries, it's probably a miracle. So (laughs) yeah, it's, that's bigger than Bailey's bed being made. It really is. I know some of you find that hard to believe, but Ross crying is a lot like Bailey's. I was just tearing up and I was like, Ross is not going to cry. No, no, it's, it's, it's emotional for me too. (laughs) um why do you feel like it like it's important to talk about this publicly you know um and then also what advice would you give to people who feel like they don't want to talk to someone you know share their struggles yeah well you know something that dad always says is um that you know, people are shocked that he would share this about himself Mm -hmm. and that he would continually like go there and talk about this hard part of his life. But he says that it's the only way he knows how to survive. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that it's so important to share what we're going through and what we're experiencing because otherwise we'll die. Like we'll die Mm -hmm. inside. 
And we won't, you know, we'll be experiencing hell on earth if we mm-hmm. aren't open about the things we're going through. I mean, like dad always says about um, Paul's thorn in the flesh verse in second Corinthians that he was tormented, mm-hmm. you know, and that torment I think can often come from shame and isolation uh, and the lies that we start to believe that, you know, that something that, that stays hidden grows and uh, that the only thing that kills something is when you shed light on it. And Mm -hmm. so the practice of confession, one of my favorite things to share with people. And so the work that I did before I started working with Gobi was I did pastoral care or pastoral counseling at our church. And uh, one of the most important things that I felt like was to share with people that, Uh, In James five, it says to confess your sins so that you may be healed. And so I often think that word sin is deeper than just something bad you've done. It's the darkness and the things that you're scared of sharing and the things you're ashamed of sharing. And once you can finally get that out, healing can start. So I always like tell people like, I I believe that when you're open and when you share, it's the beginning of healing in your life. It's the beginning of freedom in your life. And that it's holy moments, it's divine moments whenever you can open up and 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 deep and dig deep into the places that are so hard and hurtful and pain-filled and open wounds. And when you can and share that with someone, like not only is it so important, but uh, you should be, you should be so encouraged and proud of yourself, um, that you can actually take that step. So I think that answers the first part of the question, why Mm -hmm. it's so important to, and and maybe some of like, why, why people don't too, but I do, I mean, I think it's, I think it's shame. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, uh, feeling like you're the only one who's going through what you're going through that lie. Um, and you know, the, the, the moments like how dad shares in his story, the scariest thing I did was tell mom because he was scared that she was going to leave him and um, that he was going to lose his family and his job. Those are the lies that we begin to believe about ourselves. Those are Mm -hmm. the, those are the things that we convince ourselves are true. Uh, Mm -hmm. And man, think about how hard it is if you're in a situation where you're convincing yourself that your world's going to end, of course, you're not going to share anything. Of course, you're going to be closed off. Of course, you're going to hold things in. Um, And, and once you can, get infused with a little bit of hope that things can be different, that they don't have to be this way, then I think uh, you're on a path towards healing and towards freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See, Bailey is not the only one that has children walk into the podcast, which makes it even more awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, you know, let me just say about that, uh, I was talking to someone this past week who found out about uh, a marriage issue from over 30 years ago. And uh, I just, it broke my heart for how hurt the person who heard about it was. But it also broke my heart that someone had hung on to something for 30 plus years. Oh my gosh. Mm. And you talk about tormented. Right. Mm. Uh, is if we could understand that the only thing worse than our worst fear being true when we tell the truth, the only thing worse than that worst fear coming uh, to bear, which it normally won't, but the only thing worse than that would be to hold it in for all those years. Mm. I mean, the 
like anything is better than living in the self-torment of deception, mm. I think. Uh, yes. I, you know, as you guys have heard me say a million times, everybody tries to fix me. Every place I go, I get DM'd on some social media platform about, you know, everything from here's a podcast that you need or here if you just understood this passage better or, you know, there's, and people say, well, does that frustrate you? It really doesn't because I know the alternative to not telling the truth and not mm-hmm. being honest about, about where I am. And uh, I just call that kind of the cost of doing business. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a cost involved in everything. There's a cost in sharing, but there is a huge cost in not sharing. I think. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so big. Yes, for sure. Dad, I wanted to ask you, because we've talked about how your battle has affected our relationship, you know, and it's grown us closer, obviously, um, because I've also struggled. But um, what do you feel like Ross is like we've shared? Me and Ross are very different. Um and our personalities. And so how do you feel like it affected y'all's relationship? And how did you guys, you know, what has it been y'all's experience as far as father-son goes? Well, I think for a, a man, and this is good for all you ladies that are listening to this, but Ross, we don't, I don't think we have a ton of men listeners, although we do have a ton of women that tell their husband what they hear here. <laughs> but you know, what ladies I'll understand for, for a guy, there's that protection thing they have of daddy's little girl, that part of it. But then, and that's the easier part than the part of, Hey man, I don't want to appear weak to my son. You know, this is a, this is male to male. And uh, the empathy that that God gave Ross, you know, uh, for people who were hurting, I think it started with me. I think I don't think he think, thought less of me. I, th- I think he thought more of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that was just another fear you have to get over. But I think the things that we get to do together today. Uh, it's the culmination of man. My life is Romans eight twenty eight. I mean, he takes bad stuff and leverages it for good. So, mm-hmm. I don't think we could have had the relationship at the connection level that we have if there wouldn't have been that kind of connection in times of hurt. And yeah. I think it opened Ross up to being a little more. He would his personality would be a little more closed. I mean, that's mm. his tendency, right? And I think he he's a more open person because of what we've been through. That's my reflection on it. What do you think, Ross? Do you have anything else or do you agree with that? Yeah, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you know, in a in a world where a man is, is seen as strong and as uh, closed off and as, you know, just just pull up your bootstraps and and get going. Um, We saw, I mean, I think a really positive mix of there's, I mean, dad pushed me, you know, (laughs) there was, there was, we tell the story all the time about fourth grade football and, and, and me not being aggressive and him, you know, pushing me to hit him, you know, in my pads in the front yard and scaring (laughs) the neighbors. Uh, So there was definitely that, but uh, yeah, there was also just, uh, such an, uh, a touch of being in touch with the emotional side of what's going on in your life and that being emotional, you know, crying and, mm. uh, and 
and, and not being able to hold it all together all the time, uh, was really positive for me. You know, I, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time who are, are struggling and who are worried about their kids, like, or have been through something really hard, have made a hard mistake. Like, you know, it, this is, this is challenging. This is hard for you, but man, what kind of testimony could this be for your kids? Like mm-hmm. they get to see someone who has struggled, who has made a mistake and respond in a way that shows them that no matter what they do, they can always bounce back. Like that's a, that's a message of resiliency and of hope that will never leave them. And, you know, that is Romans eight twenty eight that God can use those things for good in our life. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that I agree with that. I agree with being more open. I mean, I'm definitely more of a closed off person and, uh, and, and I think just dad's marking, um, just way that he raised us and the way that we lived our lives is that we can go there with people, um, Mm -hmm. and, and be there for people and in a deeper way. So I think that's, that's really valuable as well. I mean, and I, I agree with just the, having a lot of respect for dad and this, this is, has definitely come as I've worked with him for the past 10 years, you know, is as you meet people and as they talk about who dad is and the impact that, that he's made on their lives, it's incredible. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone just loves him and is grateful for his, his caring, you know, thoughtful, intentional way that he interacts with people. And, uh, so that's been, I feel all of that combined has created a picture of, of a man that, um, doesn't have to have it all together, but Mm -hmm. can still be strong and be a leader. And, and the being strong and being a leader often means that you admit when you're weak and when you're wrong too. Mm. That's good. Dang, let's do Ross on here more often. (laughs) For real. He's to me than you are, Bailey. I know. He is very wise though. Um, smart. He is. Ross, I have a question, or do you have something, Dad? No. Oh, sorry. So, Ross, you have two little girls. Um, That's right. I do. And so how do you, you, what's your hope for your family regarding conversations about mental wellness? Like, um, tell us a little bit about that, how you're intentional with that. Yeah. Man, I'm, I mean, I'm just doing my best, you know, I, I, I would like to say that that we're really intentional and that we're got a great plan, but you know we're just trying to to figure it out uh, as 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 much as we can. Me and Michelle, my wife, um, you know, I do think that that we we try our best to connect with our kids at an emotional level and um, try to get past the behavior to what's really going on and what they're feeling and. Uh, but we don't, we don't always do that well. Well, you uh, do it much better than you think because oh, I've witnessed it. So, Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. A lot of times I see the failures, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> as we, <all> uh, <laughs> I think, you know, as we, when I think about my kids in the future, what I would hope for them, uh, is, is just that not like many other parents, I'm sure many other generations, but just that they're equipped to, to, to handle life and the things that they're dealing with and going, growing, going through, um, in a way that, uh, they're going to flourish and thrive. And that, that doesn't mean that they're not going to experience pain, but that they can, they can 
walk through life and have grit and have resilience and, um, and still be okay with knowing there's times that you got to lean on people and ask for help. I heard this, this psychiatrist say one time that, you know, it's important to foster an environment where your kids know that they can go to you for hard questions and hard things. And so that's ultimately what I'd want for them is, is not that I need to, not that I need to help them avoid any hard moments, but that when they do have hard moments, they feel safe coming to me Mm -hmm. and talking to me about those things. Mm -hmm. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Well, Ross just, you just joined our Gobi team a few months ago, uh, which has so been so fun. Mm-hmm. Dad's happy to have a male on our team. Preach, <laughs> preach it. So you've actually just like, obviously you've been following along with what we've been doing because you're in our family and that's what, you know, you are mm-hmm. automatically get to hear about it. But mm-hmm. what do you feel like is your favorite tools that we have? You know, there's a lot, but what would you tool would you want to highlight that you feel like has been is super beneficial um, and, and uh, stands out to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing I'm most excited about is being a part of the group text. You know, I felt, <laughs> I felt out of place when y'all would be talking about something and we'd be together and they'd be like, Ross, you, oh, wait, you're not on the group text. You didn't hear about that. <laughs> felt just, you know, like I was at the non-cool kids table. Yeah. Um, but a tool that I think is, is, is super valuable. Um, man, I, I, I really, I think the thing that is the most exciting to me is, is honestly, I know this may sound basic or, or I don't know, but is our book, Toby the Gobi, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that it accomplishes so much in such a small thing. Like, not only does it start to build conversation, not only does it start to allow kids to understand emotional awareness and what they're feeling and what they're going through and, and, and the capacity they have inside themselves, but it also starts a relationship with a kid and a parent to be able to, um, to be able to, to have those conversations and, and have that connection um, and like I said before, create that safe place where they know they can have those type of conversations with their parents. And then it also impacts the parents because we all know that the simplest concepts are the most impactful. Mm-hmm. So these simple concepts in this book that maybe for kids or parents, you know, children who didn't get to experience what we experienced where kind of emotional health and mental health was out in the open. It's not that they are avoiding it. It's that they don't know how to, mm-hmm. ha- to talk about it or to, 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 to engage in those conversations. And so to give people um, a starting point to be like, okay, this is what you could be feeling. And mm-hmm. this is what you might be experiencing, man. I think is just, is, is especially in this world that mental health is a big deal, but mm-hmm. like a lot of people I know are like, well, what does that even mean? So right. to start at a basic level can, can, can be really, really impactful. So I love the book and the idea of what it can do for people and families. Yeah, that's good. And something you're developing that's coming out soon, you should tease it because I'm excited about that. Not that it's about me, but you are developing it with our team. Stop that. (laughs) Will you share a little bit? Because we like to, we like to give our, our, um, Hey dad group a little, some little snippets because they're special to us. You know, you're talking about the journal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're writing a, uh, 
a, a journal that's going to release in the holiday season. And it's all centered around the 40 IMs and around identity and the concepts of, of Gobi. Um, and uh, there's going to be an adult version that I'm helping develop. And then a kid's version that Jen, another lady on our team is, is going to develop. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be really great. I think it's going to mm-hmm. be something that um, people can engage with and take like the thing that I love about the 40 IMs and, and someone taught me this a while ago was um, that it is a tool. It's not only a tool that helps you build your identity, but it's also a tool that can help you learn how to talk with God. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't understand what it means to talk with God. Um, it feels really weird and mysterious, you know, and really the 40 AMs can be a tool because it's so, because it's scripture and bite-sized pieces that are really uh, powerful for your own life. So allowing them to just speak to you in your own unique way, like God speaking to you in your own unique voice. That's, that's what we're trying to accomplish through, mm-hmm. through, through the journal. So, uh, I think it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yay. I'm excited. Yes. Yay. Uh, that's all the questions I got for you guys. Um, dad, do you want to end with a funny story about Ross? <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd end with a funny story. I I have a few, but I love my son. I'm, you know, I'm, I want to stay in this kind of fine, good fine, space fine. with him. I will give you a couple of reflections as we end. Perfect. How's that? That's great. Uh, well, well, let me just say one, you know, Ross just casually said, you know, uh, I was listening to a psychiatrist. I know. You would never hear Bailey or I say that. So so here's a guy who grew up in a home where we talked about mental wellness. That, Like, as he said, Dave was exposed to all that. Here's someone who is educated at, you know, he's working on his LPC. He's in graduate work. He he recreationally listens to podcasts and reads <laughs> books that Bailey and I are like, what does that mean? And when's the game come on? Exactly. I mean, this is his world. And yet he just said, man, sometimes we just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it just reminded me of how grateful I am for these tools, foundational tools that if man, if he's having a hard time with all of that background, all that experience, then moms, you shouldn't feel bad that you're not really sure how to, to do this, or you and your husband don't have a plan. That's why mm-hmm. we started Gobi, mm-hmm. was to give just a starting place, a, pl- a conversation place, and some what I call foundational tools to help you as a parent. The second thing I would say if Bailey doesn't cut me off is, you know, Ross talked about you and Ross were having that conversation about growing up. And I always go back to those days. I'm not very, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So I can look back and see things that I don't see in the moment, but like the elephant in the room for most of us as parents that we want to admit is we want to be our kid's hero. That's it, man. You want to be your kid's hero. I want Ross's little girls to open up that van and scream Papa when she comes to the door. You know, I mean, we all want that from our kids. And one of the gifts of my battle has been that because I wasn't strong enough to be my picture of a hero, God was a hero. Mm. Like when you tell your kids, 
appropriately for their age of about your battle. I mean, they can say whatever they want to say about me, these two, my two, but deep down inside what they know is, man, only God could do that. And so, man, when we make God the hero, uh, it, it strengthens our bond with our kids. You know, we were not made to be heroes. God has always been. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful that what Ross did not say today was, man, ever some days, I don't know how the man got out of bed, did what he did, because he knew how bad it was when he was older. Well, he knows. He knows it was God. So when he has a day where he's not sure he can get out of bed, mm-hmm. the same Jesus lives in me, lives in him. So I'm, that's that's not a funny story. That's not you dressing him up when he was two years old and, you know, making him wear ballerina clothes around the house. <laughs> but, I mean, that's kind of where I am. That's good. I love it. This was mm-hmm. fun. I uh, hope, Ross, we're going to have you on more. You might even get your own pod someday. I don't know Uh-oh. what's going to happen. But Good I will plans. say we do have men listening because we've had some men request to be in a small group. So, Ross. Heck yeah, let's do it. Just know that might be coming up for you. Come on. <laughs> so I'm if you guys that. know a man that wants to have some community and accountability, you know, whatever, be in one of our Hey Dad small groups, reach out um, to me and we'll get that going. So, Or if you are a mom listening, I wish my husband would get one of mm-hmm. those. Just rob him. You, you yeah. know it works out. You, 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 you ladies know to get what you want, whatever that's oh right. Oh my gosh. You that's know. right. <laughs> Uh, just, and if you yeah. don't know, call the expert. It's 1-800-Bailey-Die. <laughs> okay, oh, anyways. Wow. Well, hey, lo- love you guys, man. It was fun Love y'all. Love y'all take care. Love okay. Love you. Love you. Hi. I'm just so happy you guys got to hear from Ross today. Isn't he awesome? Um yeah, I'm proud. I'm a proud sister and I'm excited that he's on our Gobi team and to have him on the podcast more often. So I would love to hear your feedback on, um, if you have men in your life that you feel like would benefit from a, obviously dad is a male voice, but, um, Ross is a young dad. Um, and so yeah, let me know if any of the males in your life have listened or if you're a guy, what you thought, Um, I would love to share it with Ross. So thank you guys for tuning in. This has been a really fun month of, of spotlighting my family. I hope it's encouraged you. And we'll see you next week.